ShareCare is the leading online health and wellness engagement platform, providing millions of consumers with a personal, results-oriented experience by connecting them to the most qualified health resources and programs they need to improve their health. It's time now for ShareCare Radio on RadioMD.com. Here's your host, Dr. Daria. Hi, this is Dr. Daria. Welcome back. I am a mom of a toddler, and there is nothing so terrifying at times as all the things she can find to get into in the house. So that's what we're talking about today, is that when you bring a baby home, you're not just adapting your life. You're literally adapting your entire home to having a new baby. And then as they turn into a toddler, you're adapting it even more. So I have with me Red Cross expert, pediatrician, and fellow emergency room physician herself, pediatric emergency physician at Bay. Baylor College, Dr. Joan Shook with me today. Joan, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for letting me join you. I'm excited to be here. I know you're a Red Cross expert, so you're going to bring to us all the latest tips on how to keep our kids safe. Of course, you're also a mom of three, so you've been through all of this too. Yes, it's, uh, you know, it's an, a really uh, awesome responsibility that we have as mothers and as dads mm-hmm. to, when we mm-hmm. bring small people into our lives and our homes. Mm-hmm. And it's really our obligation, I think, as parents to do every single thing we can to keep them as safe as possible. It's so true. And I know you're the same way. We see the accidents that can happen because they come into the ER. And I learned about that in residency and at work. And then being a mom, I learned how hard it was and how much work it was to keep them from getting into those things in the first place. Absolutely. So the the first thing I recommend is that when you are waiting for your baby, whether you're pregnant or you're waiting for that adoption to occur, you think very hard about Mm -hmm. the environment into which you're taking that baby. Mm -hmm. Uh, Babies, by their nature, are sort of victims of their environment. They can't move Mm -hmm. very far. So wherever Mm -hmm. you put them, you have to think, is the baby going to be safe here? Mm -hmm. The biggest hazards are wherever you stick them, which is frequently a crib or some other kind of uh, sleeping area, and then any sort of seating devices that you put up for them. Mm So in a crib, it's really important, as lovely as all of those pretty quilts are and things that you can buy in the mm-hmm. stores, that you have nothing that is really too fluffy or too confining for a baby. It's, it's so easy true. for a baby to kind of put their sweet little faces in one of those pillows or mm-hmm. one of those quilts, and they're just not able to extricate themselves from that no. kind of an environment. Mm-hmm. So what frequently happens then is that they breathe a lot into a confined space and that uh, it builds up the CO2 or carbon dioxide in their blood, and that can be a hazard for crib death and similar sorts of things. It, it's so true. And I remember when you were shopping for the, for crib decor, there was so much cute decor and all the cute fuzzy bumpers and everything. And really, yep. it, I knew that, but it was hard to say, no, we're not going to do that. And I think I'll, I want to mention bumpers as well, because you can still buy bumpers uh, in the market. But yes, not a good and, idea. and bumpers have their role, but not with a newborn. Yes. So it's really important that the the mattress in your crib fits snugly into mm-hmm. the into the area that you have for the baby to sleep in, so that the baby can't sort of fall between the mattress and whatever side rail device you have. Yes. When the child is older, so rolling over six months of life maybe, mm-hmm. then a bumper's okay because you don't want them to stick their little arms and legs out through mm-hmm. those bars and then they wake themselves up when they're trying to roll over or they get in a little <laughs> and bit. Anybody of who's a six month old you want them to sleep. 
You want them to sleep, mm-hmm. otherwise the whole household's exhausted for sure. Mm-hmm. So that's something that's that. really important to think about. Crib safety, mm-hmm. sleeping safety, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. The yeah, other all, thing those, we, all those pillows and everything for the crib, just leave them out. Yep. Pillows, w. stuffed animals, mm-hmm. all of that adorable stuff. Just let it sit on the shelf until the baby. At what age do you tell parents that they can start putting those stuffed animals in? Well, I think it's reasonable by the time they're six months of life or so mm-hmm. when they're rolling over readily and have much greater mobility. Okay. All right. So what were you about to say next? Then the other thing that we see with some frequency in a pediatric emergency department are all of the seating devices that you put a baby into. Oh, the seats, yes. Mm -hmm. A baby chair, a baby swing. If you have a car seat where you can sort of pull the basket out of the car Mm -hmm. seat and use use that as a seating device. When you mm-hmm. have those, make sure you understand uh, all of the rules, how to secure yes. them appropriately, and always be sure to belt them in carefully mm-hmm. when you have them in one of those devices. It's so Pretty true. Calm. And a lot of people don't realize, and they don't realize that they're not buckling them correctly. And, you know, even, even those buckles that, you know, that, that go across their chest need to be at the level of their armpit. And a lot of parents aren't doing that, not intentionally. They just don't realize. Exactly. Exactly. And nobody wants to have their child harmed. I'm, I'm totally mm-hmm. convinced of that. No. Um, so it's important that you read the instructions and that you're familiar with the the precise safety features of the device that you have. Mm-hmm. And I hate reading instructions, but for my baby's car seats, I did. So if you if you don't read instructions anywhere else, parents, maybe make that be the one place that you do. I think that makes a lot of sense. And there, in many areas of the country, you can call the American Red Cross or the AAA. Uh, or some other service organizations mm-hmm. to assist you in putting the car seat in your car correctly. That's, That's so a, true. And it's really an important thing to do. Honestly, if you, t- if you were to take the car seat training course that is offered by many institutions, including my own, that is a 40, 40, 40, <laughs> four zero. Course. And so it's impossible for a parent to know all mm-hmm. that detail. And therefore, sometimes it's useful to get an outside expert to make sure you're doing it exactly correctly. So you said the Red Cross, and who else can give you the can help you put them in? The, the AAA, the American AAA. Automobile mm-hmm. Association, okay. and then it depends on the region of the country. Some some car dealerships do it. It just is variable. Mm-hmm. Children's hospitals, other organizations, the, and I, sometimes I think, a f- local fire department. Yes, I think that sometimes also they're trained it. as well. Just yep. it, it's it's a great idea to go get it checked before you go to the hospital to bring baby home because they won't the hospital won't let you bring baby home unless you have the car seat in a car seat that you can install as well so get it done before way in advance correct all right now we've talked about all those things that we need to do before you bring the baby home now Mm -hmm. as children as infants get more mobile and you have them on the floor and they're rolling and then they're crawling Mm I'm always amazed at what small people can get into. Yes. Imagine, if you will, for a minute that you had been seeing this whole world in front of you but not able to touch anything, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden one day you can start to touch it. You know, it's sort Mm -hmm. of irresistibly exciting. That's what happens when a baby becomes mobile. It's just Mm -hmm. irresistible. They therefore can find stuff that no adult in the universe would ever think of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there are sort of... Intuitive things like make sure that the the water heater in your home is uh, set appropriately. Make sure mm-hmm. that you have guards on your steps. 
Make sure you cover your uh, electrical outlet, your electrical plugs. Make sure that you hide the electrical cords so that they don't go chew on that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I that's also- true. That's something we see in the ER. Little babies have chewed the electrical cord and they get they can burn their mouth. That's correct. And, and they can it, have so. very severe mm-hmm. Very dangerous. You know. And I, yeah. I think it's important you're mentioning, as tough as it is for parents, you have to always be vigilant. You have to baby-proof the house before baby comes home. And then baby starts to get mobile, and you've got to change things around. And then baby's going to be a little bit older and walking. And you have to do it all over again. So yeah. I think that's a key theme that we're talking about is, you know, every time baby goes through a different phase remember for yourself, okay, what else do I need to look at from a safety perspective? And I would also suggest that if there's a time, and I can remember this with one of my own children, all of a sudden there wasn't anything he loved more than newspaper, and he would stick large gobs of newspaper in his mouth if you gave Of course. So, you know, then that's a sort of a mental note to the parent Mm -hmm. to say, oh, this kid really can't be around paper because Mm -hmm. paper can choke him. And Mm -hmm. so, you need to sort of tailor your environment to your particular child. Yes, yes, because children, who would have thought a newspaper is a choking hazard? But yep. yes, toddlers are very inventive for finding things that are dangerous to themselves. Absolutely. The so. other things I want to caution people about is as babies get even more mobile, so if they're beginning to walk, mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit scary to think about the burn hazards that might be in your home. Mm-hmm. We talked briefly about plug covers and, and uh, water heaters, mm-hmm. but there, if you have space heaters or flammable liquids, mm-hmm. lighters, candles, those kinds of things, you need to be cognizant that those are, again, sort of irresistible objects mm-hmm. because the baby will see mom and dad get all excited about them and mm-hmm. then we'll find them pretty intriguing to play with. The yes. other thing I always worry about with small people is the possibility of choking. We mm-hmm. mentioned briefly my son choking on paper, but it's also any small object mm-hmm. in your environment can be hazardous. So you have to be kind of thoughtful about that. Yes. We particularly see problems with coins um, mm-hmm. and foods and then toys. All of those things can potentially be choking hazards. So really mm-hmm. worth people scanning the environment constantly mm-hmm. to make sure that those, that those objects are not available. You're right. And there are a couple of major culprits. You mentioned coins, little magnets, those button batteries that kids have on costumes. And it's especially hard because a lot of toys are age appropriate, but you had three kids. So an older child will be six and have a six-year-old age appropriate toy, which may include a button battery. Yes. But if it falls on the floor... The, little ch- the, the youngest one may be exposed to it. So it's always important to know. I kind of have my list of like the worst culprits, uh, like little magnets really and things yeah. like, and button batteries. And just, you know, keep those out of, t- you know, only under adult reach until right. everybody is above a certain age. Right. Totally agree with that mm-hmm. advice. Now, let's go by room. I want to talk about the kitchen because we spend so much time in the kitchen. Every one of us, especially as parents, we spend, I feel like I spend it either cooking or cleaning. What are some of the biggest hazards in the kitchen you want to tell people? Well, the hazards sort of vary. The, in the cooking environment, the whole stove top, everything around the stove mm-hmm. top is, can be potentially extremely hazardous. Mm-hmm. A, a toddler, a two-year-old, is not uncommonly can pull a whole pot of boiling water on themselves. Yes. Oh, so it's awful. important when you're cooking that you keep the pot handles turned away from the child. Yes, there is They're, a lot of truth to that. That That's a real thing when they say turn the p- handles the other way and put them on the back burners if you can. 
The mm-hmm. other thing that we see with some frequency is many people store uh, cleaning products and related items underneath their sinks. Mm-hmm. If you are doing that and you have a young child in your house, either make sure you have a safety latch on your cupboard or don't store them there. Mm-hmm. Again, that's, those kinds of objects can be irresistible. Mm-hmm. Many of them are scented so they smell like flowers or candy or something like that. And many other objects, uh, like the washing pods that you put in your dishwasher or mm-hmm. washing pods that you put in your look washing like candy. machine. They look like candy. candy. You know, Mm -hmm. they're quite beautiful, and they smell pretty nice, and Mm -hmm. those are irresistible and extraordinarily toxic. And you're right. I don't even use, as convenient as those laundry pods are, and I I love the less mess, I don't use them. I don't keep them in my home. I just use liquid detergent because I have a two-year-old, and, you know, you never know when one will just fall out, no matter how vigilant a parent can be, so I just don't even use them at all. Yes. Yes, I think that's smart. I think. When she's 10 or 12, then I can be uh, more uh, domestic about it and have little pods again. But right now, I don't. <laughs> that's um, something to look forward to. <laughs> oh, yay, for my, my washing future. The other thing I think is important to mention is that so many kids get into this. You may have the parents being so vigilant, because like you mentioned, no parent wants their child to get injured. But a lot of times, children get into you know either the cleaning solution or medications or what have you, because the parent took it from the very safe locked place, took it out to use it for a moment, and then maybe set it out aside because they got distracted and they left it out. Yes. And that in that moment is when the child got a hold of it. Because so many parents that come into the, into the ER, they say, it was, I just turned my back for a moment. Yes, yes. Just a blink of an eye is mm-hmm. all it takes. Mm-hmm. It also is not uncommon when you have visitors in your home. So if, mm-hmm. if you have grandma and grandpa come spend a weekend in your home, and they have medications in their purses or their their suitcases, it's really important that you talk to them about how they're going to manage those medications. I call it like, grandma's purse syndrome. Absolutely. The number and, of kids and, who access medications from that. Yeah, and a mm-hmm. lot of the medications that older adults take for their health can be extremely toxic for a mm-hmm. very child. So really important that you're sort of vigilant about that and have very, you know, as we say here, crucial conversations with your adult visitors. Yes, absolutely. So you mentioned a couple of really great points in there. Number one, we talked about like, even if you're locking something up and you take it out, use it, just make a point. Don't do anything else until you put it back. And if, uh-huh. you, ha- if you, you know, have to go run for something, when you set it down, place it out of reach. Don't place it within reach. Yeah. And then you mentioned the grandparents. Any grandparents or any guests, if they have medications, that's probably the, the, the number one thing to tell them is medications, blood pressure pills, depression pills, anxiety or pain pills or patches. Any of those, keep them, you know, I, I do the triple layer effect. I lock it and I put it up out of reach so that even in, and then also within a locked bottle. So even if one of those or two of those things fails, the child's still not getting into it. That's a great point. And I want to caution people about people about visitors or parents who are using any of those patches, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, when somebody is replacing a patch with another patch, it's important to remember that there's still quite a great deal of medication left in the patch itself. So you don't want to put that in the trash where Mm -hmm. a child can get it because they might want to eat it. Uh, As as you know, Mm -hmm. little children like to put everything in their mouths, and they can absorb quite a bit of medication by putting a patch in their mouth. 
You're right. And a lot of people hear that and they probably cringe and be like, oh, gross. It is gross, but it's stickers. And what child doesn't right. love a sticker? And every patch has enough medication on it for an adult dose of three to five to seven days. So very yeah. high doses, as you mentioned, which even just if there's a residual on there can be very dangerous for a little kid. So what do you suggest? Wrapping it up in tissue so it's not even visible as a sticker or a patch and then throwing it out? Or what do you tell people? Well, I would wrap it up in stickers, but I wouldn't put it in an open trash can. Mm-hmm. Um, it, like most of us have in our bathrooms. Mm-hmm. I would make sure that I put it in a covered space that would make it difficult for the child to access. Okay. The only other thing I want to bring up uh, is about drowning. We mm-hmm. in, uh, Drowning is a real hazard to small people. Again, water is sort of an irresistible uh, tie for most kids. They just can't, they get all excited when they see large tubs of water. Never leave a child alone in a bathtub. Um, no. and Not it, even a couple of inches of water. Yes, exactly. Just a couple inches of water, as mm-hmm. you know, can be enough for a yes. child to slip under the water. And it, it may not be, uh, it, you know, people think really a couple inches, but a very young child doesn't have the mental ability to say to themselves, oh, my nose is underwater, so I need to sit myself back up again. That's a pretty yeah. sophisticated thought. And no, young children exactly. aren't able to do that. No, absolutely. So, I yes, al- never leave uh, unattended in a bathtub. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also worry about toilet seats and and uh, toilet lids being left up because sometimes that water inside the toilet bowl is pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. If a child puts his or her little head down in there, mm-hmm. because of the way that their body is weighted, they can end up getting their head kind of in the water, and it's difficult for them to pull themselves out. Yes. And certainly, if you have a swimming pool in your home or in your apartment complex, make sure that there's a self-locking gate that is all the way around that pool, and that no side of that gate is is your home. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens yes. frequently mm-hmm. is private homes use because the pool area is so pretty, they use their back door or the back side of their home as one side of the gate of the gate mechanism. Yep. And that's just an invitation for a small child to try and sneak outside and get in that pool. It is so true. There was literally a house that we saw that we were looking to buy and we loved, but it, it the, the pool was too close. And mm-hmm. being an ER doctor, I've seen too many tragic events. You can't yes. have it. One thing yes. I always tell people is if there's somebody's, if you're having a party and there's kids around, I station which I say station two adults and their only job is to watch the pool because even if you have the gate lock and you have an alarm little kids they're they're ingenious they'll put I've seen little kids put chairs up to climb over the fence under the fence they figure ways out yes yes and I not only encourage people to uh, station an adult at the pool but make sure that the adult understands that's his or her responsibility mm-hmm. and then they really can't have any alcoholic beverages or have much mm-hmm. social contact or their right. cell phone with them while they're on duty. Right. And I put them on shifts so they don't get mm-hmm. too bored. Yes. All right. And Dr. Shook, thank you so much. This has been really, really helpful. Again, all of our listeners this is Dr. Joan Shook. She's Professor of Pediatrics and Pediatric Emergency Medicine section at Baylor College. She's also an expert at the Red Cross. Follow them at Red Cross. And don't forget, any questions, tweet me, follow me at Dr. Daria or all of us here at ShareCare Inc. And if you're not following us on following us on iTunes, then why not? Go subscribe to ShareCare Radio on iTunes and you will never miss a single segment. Thanks for listening to ShareCare Radio on Radio MD and stay well. Stay well.